Hi, I'm Matt Richter, president of the Tiagi Group, and I'm sitting here with Tiagi, our CEO and resident mad scientist. Hi, Tiagi. Hello, Matt. Well, this is our first episode of Business Intelligence, our new series on different management and leadership topics. Usually, I'll interview and discuss interesting issues with cutting-edge experts, but today we couldn't get anyone to come on. It's Christmas, so Tiagi said I would make do in a pinch, and he'll interview me. So, I turn it over to you. Thank you, Matt. Um, you have been doing a lot of work as an executive coach, as a consultant, as a trainer, with sort of business organizations. You don't have to tell me the names of these corporations, but uh, I do remember that you were very successful in one type of project, which is a combination of various ways to improve business productivity and profits. So uh, let us see if you can guess what I'm talking about and what the name of um, the project type that I'm talking about, Matt. Well, I, I think you're talking about our $6 million game program, uh, which is a, a, a program we've now run with three clients where we uh, set a target and we break participants into teams and have them actually identify projects within their own company, opportunities that can generate, in the $6 million is pretty arbitrary, but $6 million in either uh, net gain or uh, cost reductions. And through uh, their projects, we then do just-in-time training uh, to provide them with the tools and the knowledge and the skills that they need, the feedback they need, to be able to achieve their goal. Okay, so you did it with three corporations, yes. Matt. Did they all reach approximately $6 million in profit or cost reduction? Well, the first company we did it with, we didn't set a $6 million target. In fact, our, our target was uh, $150,000. Um, and we ended up generating approximately $1.13 million out okay. of the three projects. Uh, that inspired us to go higher with the next client. Uh, with the next client, in a 12-month period, we generated $13 million uh, with uh, projects continuing beyond that, continuously generating reductions that we're no longer tracking. Um, but that client uh, put in place three new systems and processes that are continuing to uh, save the company money, generate excess revenues, uh, additional revenues. Uh, the company we, we just worked with this year uh, on this uh, generated uh, approximately $3.5 million. Uh, and their projects are just actually in, in mid-course right now, so we're not quite sure yet what their totals will be. That is wonderful. Looks like you are going directly to level four the evaluation. You're not just testing people's learning or their ability to apply, but you're going directly to are people able to produce monetary results. So is that a good way of describing what you're doing? None of the intermediate no focus on the intermediate steps, but you're going directly to profits and bottom line and cost-benefit analysis. 
Yeah, I, I started to struggle with uh, going into a classroom and, and having people catch a ball and make weird sounds. And, um, or go into a classroom and, and, and spend a lot of time on theories and, and models and, and, and then try and apply that in a vacuum. Then have them go back onto the job and, and, and not do anything that they got in the classroom. Uh, there would be no reinforcement for managers uh, or executives, uh-huh. and uh, I, I wanted to do something where where we we actually saw a business result come out of the work. Well, would you consider this and not that it needs a labor? Would you consider this to be an example of action learning math where people do a real project and learn in the process? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is intriguing. The outcome is millions of dollars. But before I ask you to give me information about the details, how much does it cost? I'm try- Does it cost $8 million for them to get $2 million in return? No, the costs are generally our time. Okay. And depending on how, how much, um, uh, I'll use the phrase hand-holding uh, participants need, Uh, it helps define that cost. Oh, okay. Um, it, it approximately costs about $100,000 to $200,000, depending on the amount of time um, that we spend, because we, we spend a lot of on-site time uh, <laughs> working with the teams. We spend quite a bit of time uh, working uh, off-site with the teams, taking calls, providing them just-in-time materials, Uh, one team, for example, uh, needed a specific type of return on investment calculator, uh, and we didn't have it, so we went out and found one and customized it. Uh, so uh, another team needed a, a planning tool that that fit their specific project. Wonderful. Needs. So we went out and found it. So those things take time and cost money. But generally speaking, to get a few million dollars return, it costs $100,000 to $200,000. Good. And it looks like from your description, you're providing just in time, just enough, just for that client. Get them over the hump. Yes. Okay. Now, there are there are some other costs, though. Mm-hmm. There are opportunity costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, participants yes. are spending time on these projects rather than spending time on other initiatives. So we one of the things we have to mitigate is that these projects are, are not valued or not important initiatives. Uh, they have to be uh, integrated into the strategy and the goals of the company. Mm-hmm. So we actually have the executives pretty integrated into the process. Uh, we have a senior executive acting as a mentor to each team. Uh, the company we just uh, wrapped up with, the CEO mentored all three teams, mm-hmm. and we had a senior vice president living with each team. Okay, And that helps to make sure that the projects are, ju- are, are genuinely value-added. Mm-hmm. That they're not, um, uh, you know, creating baskets yes. or doing basket weaving or oh, okay. something like that. Um, because those opportunity costs can be quite extensive. Sounds uh, fascinating. Matt, can you give me a brief overview of the process you're using? So the first thing we do is we, we warn the participants that they're about to go through hell. Mm-hmm. Um that one of the rules is uh, the projects cannot impact their day jobs. Their mm. day jobs are still their priority, but at the same time, they're going to have a lot of excess work. So maybe 
10 to 20 hours extra a week uh, will be put on them. Uh, so we warn them up front. We open up the session by, by walking them through some processes about how to identify a project. How do you go out and scope it? And so we give them an environmental scan. Mm -hmm. And we have them go out and talk to key players in the company. And we even have them go out and talk to key industry folks mm -hmm. uh, outside of the company to find out what opportunities, threats, strengths, weaknesses the company has. From that, then we have them develop a, a list of possible project ideas. And then we gave them an analysis tool for uh, them to vet the list to see which projects on a cursory level might actually drive some of the value mm -hmm. that they need. They identify their project, and then they have to develop a pitch and a proposal to go to the senior executive mm -hmm. team. The senior executive team is mandated to judge and evaluate the projects on the same criteria they would if anyone else came to them. Mm -hmm. So if they would reject the project because the budget isn't clear, or they might reject the project because it's not aligned properly, then the teams get rejected. And what we're working on there is getting the teams to, to develop an understanding for how executives make decisions okay. and how to frame any initiatives that the participants may want to do in the future. They make their pitch. If they are rejected, they have to go back and figure out why and, and, and fix it or come up with a new project. We had teams that, that blew up and went through three or four different projects. Mm -hmm. uh, if they're accepted, then they have to go and start expanding their implementation plan. They have to be able to execute. They have to deal with the money and the, ex uh, the politics. Getting other people in the organization to be involved uh, requires a lot of influencing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we start teaching them how to influence, how to present elevator pitches to folks, how to uh, engage people around tools and resources, um, how to develop reports so that people are updated constantly mm -hmm. about how the projects are going. Um, how to manage uh, vendors. Sometimes projects require vendors, etc. So resource allocation, risk management, project management, uh, time management, uh, stress management comes into it, although we try and avoid that. Mm -hmm. um, managing politics, communication skills, all of these things are integrated, not separated or taught in a vacuum. Wonderful. So just to quickly recap, they select a suitable project, they pitch it and get approval from the senior management, and then they start executing it, uh, including communicating it, getting people motivated, managing risk management, things of that nature. Yeah. And yeah. how does it all end, Matt? What is the final activity? Well, before we get to that, let me just mm -hmm. add one more thing. They, uh, we try and use all the tools that are already in-house. Mm -hmm. yes. So if a company uses a particular risk management format, we try and use that. If a company uh, has a particular way of evaluating budget or, or earnings, we try and use their financial templates right. so that the participants are learning the way the company does it, not our generic system. Yes. We'll backfill if necessary. Now, how it ends, the projects often will continue and won't finish after we're gone. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. let's say we wrap up in December, often the projects will still have three months right. before the participants have to hand them off. 
So we do a, a final event where participants present a summary to the project of the projects, and they have to they have to detail their current status, okay, current value add, and they also have to outline their handoff strategy. Mm-hmm. How are yes. they? Because none of these people do this work as their day job, so there has to be a way for them to hand off to some other group in the company, which means they have to have influenced those people to agree to take it right. on and demonstrate a value enough, uh, a high enough value where the the new group was willing to take it mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. We have those new groups there mm-hmm. for yes. for the metaphorical passing of the key. Right, and then over the quarter. Uh, the, the generally it's about a quarter after we're done mm-hmm. they wrap up their work in the project okay and officially hand it off okay the other piece though is they need to have a process in place to continue the recording mm-hmm. so that yes. they are tracking their the progress of their their okay. initiatives um, and and that's cool because people are actually they're they're now invested and they want to know that it's yes. continuing yes um, so it, it ends when they hand off yeah, officially. Right. Okay. So the ending is that they do a status report, they come up with a change management plan, as it were, get the people who will be implementing the project after they are gone and hand it over to them. Yeah. Um, so the $1 million, $2 million types of things, are they actual cost savings immediately or the estimated cost saving what the sure. time span are we using man we try and uh, work it within a 12-month period oh, okay and uh obviously in the beginning we're doing forecasts by mm-hmm. the end of the year we're looking at returns so um and some of them are returns that won't be realized for six months it depends on the project Mm-hmm. Uh, one yes. of the projects was a, a, a cost uh, tracking system, which enabled the company to identify redundant costs. Uh, the company had multiple subscriptions to some financial uh, market research right. accounts. Okay. They had 48 subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Well, of those 48 subscriptions, they only really needed two. Mm-hmm. And those subscriptions cost thousands of dollars. Yes. So right there, they saved forty or fifty thousand mm, dollars just okay. in finding redundancies. Yes. yes. Uh, so some of the money was realized immediately. Uh-huh. Some of the money was realized in, uh, within the time frame of our program, and some of the money is realized after the fact. Oh, okay. Um, that same cost uh, measuring system is still driving returns. Oh, okay. Uh, it's still integral to the company. W- wonderful. So, you gave some examples of cost savings, like redundant subscriptions mm-hmm. and so on. Uh, can you give some examples of revenue generation? Sure. Um, one of the companies we're working with uh, has uh, they they bring customers to their site, and uh, they're they're essentially a recreation and uh, hospitality okay. uh, company. And they would get people to come to the site, uh, and they would only capture about 10 to 15% of those people mm-hmm. into their database. Yes. And they couldn't actually then follow up with the 85% they don't capture. So one of the projects was to find a way to, to elevate that 10 to 15% to 20 or 25%, uh-huh. and, and increase the number of 
customers they can reach out and touch. No joke intended yes. there. Uh, so they their project was uh, to create a SWAT team, essentially mm -hmm. a mini call center. Okay. That would take the names of the people that would subsequently have previously been discarded and call them with an offer to come back onto the site and spend money. Uh-huh. And so, uh, uh, by, so A, they get those folks coded. Yes. B, they are bringing them back on site giving them something minor and getting them to spend money while they're there. Mm -hmm. And then they have them for future offers and promotions in their database, uh, which increases the span of people that Good. would be willing to come. Excellent example. Okay. So obviously these people learn just in time important skills. Um, so they learn a variety of skills and everything depends on the projects they select. But are there some generic skills which you found most teams and most individuals seem to benefit from? Yeah, I think the planning piece. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Most of the teams would dive into implementation, mm -hmm. sometimes even before they were even approved by the executives. Uh, their their assumption, which I kind of respected and valued, was that, yeah, we're going to get accepted, so we might as well start. Right. But what they would found is uh, if they didn't spend the time planning and laying it all out, then uh, things would fall through cracks. Mm -hmm. these, yeah. these plans to execute some of these projects, they're pretty massive. Uh, implementing a cost reduction program uh, for a company with a... Uh, 1.5 billion dollar market cap is, is huge uh -huh. so you, it, you can't all keep it in your head you have to write stuff right. down and, right. and so teams would would struggle initially with the need to plan yes. and plan appropriately uh, another one was risk management mm -hmm. well first of all risk management is really tricky mm -hmm. because it's most people are really good at managing the risks that they can actually see mm -hmm. yes. what they're not good at is managing the risks that that they don't see. And so it was trying to anticipate categories right. of possible yeah. risk areas uh -huh. uh, and spending the time dealing with risk or thinking about risk rather than just dealing with what's comfortable. Um, and so we, we, we found that teams really responded well to, the, to modules around risk. Uh, there was some simple stuff that, that you would think mid-level managers would be good at, like mm -hmm. time management. We found that all three companies needed needed some time management tools, um, and, and we weren't prepared, frankly, to give them that because uh, it never occurred yes. to us we would have to spend time on that. Uh, but that was something that was consistent with all the teams. Okay. Communication. No one is good at communicating the value of their projects. Most of the participants were worried about bragging, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. yet people that they needed to influence needed to know the value add of their projects and they weren't getting that message mm. and so all all of the companies needed work on how do we communicate the value out of our initiatives and how do i frame it in a way where the people would listen uh, there were some basic style issues for example uh, some of these uh, participants were extremely detail-oriented uh -huh. and yes. they would they would create hundred page and i'm not exaggerating for one team yes a hundred page report that they then handed to the CFO 
uh-huh. who is an extremely um, uh, to-the-point, direct person. And the guy looked at the 100-page the report and rolled his eyes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, wasn't even willing to listen to it. They yes. they didn't have a clue how to, to summarize or present that information to the, appropriately to the executive. So, so how do you... Uh, how does this particular activity get started? How do you kick it off? What is the initial session? What does it look like? All th- so we have a, a program that we run, actually two programs we run, that uh, I've been running before we do this. Mm-hmm. Not necessary to run them, but mm-hmm. I found that it kind of helps put people in the mindset. The first program is uh, a strategic decision-making program mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we, we take a, a historic, an historic case in the company's history mm-hmm. and we have participants uh, deconstruct what they would do if they were in the uh, executive team's shoes. Uh, and this kind of familiarizes them with uh, just to get them thinking about how executives deal with problems or look at uh, business issues and so forth. Uh, it also introduces them to financials, to mm-hmm. marketing data, yes. industry data, and, and gets them thinking about information and noise. Uh-huh. It's really a critical thinking course within the context of business. Okay. S- the second program is uh, a three-day uh, enterprise-wide um, business simulation mm-hmm. where participants run a company um, making decisions in finance, sales, marketing, uh R&D, uh, quality, um, I think, I, did I say HR? Uh, uh, no. So a HR, um, resource allocation, headcount, et cetera. And they run their company for a two-year period, and over the two days, or three days of the program, mm-hmm. we're teaching them the skills necessary to, to look at that information and make decisions about it. Now, it's a very... It's a it's a very small world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You, in three days, you can't teach them how to really run a whole company, but right. but we're introducing them to the concepts of that that executives have to pay attention to, and so they make decisions based on those thirty variables, uh-huh. uh, and then we kick them into the six million dollar game. Right. Okay. Uh, so that's how we've been doing Good. it, but I don't think that's a totally necessary requirement. Okay. So just to recap, your initial one, the first thing is a company-specific. Historically, here is a critical situation. Mm-hmm. And if you were a, a high-level executive, what decisions you would have made? That sounds fascinating. It's like a case study. Yeah, it's really fun, actually. Oh. It's, a, it's a blast. Um, we did it with a, another company that didn't do the $6 million game. Mm-hmm. And we had the entire um, executive team, CEO, CFO, um, uh, chief operating officer, et cetera. And they were all part of the panel evaluating the decisions that the teams would make yes. during that day. Yes. Uh, and it led to some great conversations. Oh, very good. Uh, but more importantly, the participants were able to see the thinking process mm. that the executives yeah, would go through and challenge it. Yes. And uh, yes, that the, is good. Yeah, it was great. The Could be dangerous, were, but it's good. <laughs> the executives were good sports. Yes. Uh, well, all the participants have subsequently been fired, but that, that was a side <laughs> result. And the talking of the consequences for participants. Um, 
how did they get to use these new skills they have learned do they continue when they are back doing that thing they continue mm-hmm. coming up with the new project ideas or do they get engulfed by fighting fires and that day job uh, well fundamentally uh, they come in with the tools so one of the I was talking to a, a manager of one of our participants who said Dave's a new man he uh, he's really he he comes in and he he corrected my uh, my uh, budget tool mm-hmm. uh, he said my budget tool wasn't efficient and was missing points and so he brought me his and Very good. and I was blown away by his initiative and he was and this manager was glowing uh, about right. Dave's willingness to step up and Yes. Sure. And I think equally importantly the managers open mindedness and non-defensive yeah embracing of the new tool and things like that. Well we coddle the managers of the folks in the program. Okay, yeah. So one of the things we we do we meet with them monthly so that we're giving the the participants managers an update. Mm-hmm. And we're telling them here are the things you need to do. We we actually handhold and give them a list. Yes. Here's this month what we did, and here's what you need to follow up on mm-hmm. in, with yes. your, your people. So sit down with Dave. He's really excited right now about budgets and, and financial tools. Didn't know anything about them. So when he comes to you with something, don't whack him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Be supportive. So yes. we, we, we work with the managers yeah, right. to make sure that they're not killing people for trying new things. Wonderful. Um, at the same time, the risks are pretty high. So when people go back on the job, that sometimes they're too confident. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and so we need to make sure that they know they're going to get hit down by yes. some people. Yeah, they have to deal with that. Um, another benefit or or thing that happens after the fact that we found is new opportunities are are the people that seem to come up with new opportunities over the next six months mm-hmm. tend to be the people that went through this program. Yes, okay. Because they're thinking that way. Good. They're already in the mindset. Um, uh, another risk is that they no longer want to be in their day job. Yes, okay. Uh, and that happened with a few people, and and, and uh, the, frankly, a couple people left the companies uh-huh. Uh-huh. because they found better opportunities. Right. And that, I think, is a risk. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. Yep. So, uh, by way of wrapping up, can you do an elevator pitch for this particular program? Why should a company or a president of a company consider hiring you to do this program, Matt? Well, and don't make it smack like a commercial. Oh, good. <laughs> well, I think... Uh, First of all, the program puts participants into uh, a pressure cooker where they have to elevate their executive management and leadership skills, and it pays for itself. Uh, the participants prove that they are able to do what we want them to do at the end of the program because they generate money. And if they can't do that, then they don't pass the, through the program. Matt, uh, this is uh, wonderful. Maybe you should uh, write it up and uh, send it to some uh, award, the industry award or something. Maybe we should do it for the ISPI because the fascinating thing to me is it has a needs assessment, it has a level four evaluation, 
and the beginning is solid because they themselves figure out what the needs are. The ending is solid because they, you, you got actual money or the high probability of actual money. So great job, Matt, and this is a wonderful way to kick off a business intelligence series. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for sharing your thoughts with us, Matt. And we will have episode number two next month. Tune in.